MTV's official Challenge podcast is back for another season. And so are we. I'm Tori Deal. And I'm Anissa Ferreira. The wait is over, guys. All Stars 4 is finally here. And this season takes it to a whole new level. Old school legends, modern power players, and ex-lovers are all competing in Cape Town, South Africa for the prize of $300,000. And we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast. Listen to MTV's official Challenge podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. We cover the stories behind what's moving money in markets and help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters every afternoon. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleh Mosin. And I'm David Gura. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. This is The Look Ahead on VSIN, the sports betting network. This is The Look At on VEASAN, the Sports Betting Network. Great to be aboard with you guys for the next three hours. As it's Greg Peterson filling in for Scott Seidenberg tonight. And we've got a loaded show for you as we wound up seeing Game 3 of the Stanley Cup Final and the Tampa Bay Lightning. Right now, they've been able to defend home ice. So we'll take a look back at what we wound up seeing there. Turn it forward to Game 4. And we've got a trio of great guests that are going to be coming along the way because we've got some MLB baseball to take a look at for Tuesday. The NBA regular season is done, but it doesn't mean that the NBA chatter winds up coming to an end as we've got the NBA draft that's going to be coming up this week. So we've got Scott Reichel does a great job over there at the Sports Gambling Podcast Network. He is going to be joining me at 12.15 a.m. Pacific time. That will be 3.15 a.m. Eastern time. He's going to be joining me. We're going to be chatting it up about the NBA draft. We're going to have Randy McKay. He is the Fan of the year over there at VSIN. He does a great job whenever he joins this show. He's going to be joining me in about 30 minutes. We're going to be taking a look at what we've been getting out there with regards to Stanley Cup. Get some of his thoughts going into the NFL season as well. And then in hour number two, Jason Weingarten. He does a great job with his own podcast here at the network, The Wide World of Weingarten. We're going to be chatting a little bit of baseball with him. So we've got all of the bases covered. And when it comes to getting everything covered, we've got to get things covered with regards to the NHLs. We wind up seeing the Lightning be able to storm back. They wind up getting a 6-2 win here in game number three to be able to make things 3-1, or I should say 2-1 as take a look right now. Series price, that has moved a little bit. The Colorado Avalanche, they're down to a minus 310 for the series. Tampa Bay Lightning, they're back up to a 250 with currently a DraftKings. Game number four being a little bit of a pick This is going to be going down on Wednesday back there. At Tampa Bay, minus 110 both ways with a total now of six. So we have not seen necessarily a ton of movement from what we wind up seeing with regards to the close on game three. And I think that this was just really important for the Lightning to be able to get up off the mat. And he sort of figured that they would, in my opinion, it was not looking so great in game number two. For those of you guys that wound up taking an under, you wind up having that not be able to come through despite the fact that one team in that game wound up getting shut out. But the Lightning... They wound up closing a lot of places right around about a minus 115 to a minus 120 favorite after opening up in that pocket about minus 115. So not necessarily a whole lot of movement. Did wind up seeing a little bit of juice come in on the under that did not wind up prevailing. And I think taking a look moving forward, it is going to be fascinating to see what the Colorado Avalanche wind up doing with regards to goaltending situation because we figured that 
we will be seeing Darcy Kemper for the entirety of the series. He winds up getting the start today, and well, he winds up giving up five goals in this one. And for those that take a look at goaltending stats, really, I know that about 90% with regards to a save percentage, that is pretty much like, for lack of a better term, the bare minimum that you want from your goaltenders. And right now he has slipped below that here in the postseason. So has been a little bit of a tough go of it for him. He wound up having a very solid game too. But you know what? When you wind up only having to go up against 16 shots in three periods, that is going to be able to help you out quite a bit. A relatively ro- low stress night. And the Tampa Bay Lightning, they were able to crank things up a little bit more. The Avalanche still look like a little bit of the quicker team in this series, but the Lightning, they just seem to have a little bit more size as well. So I thought that that was something to take a look at and with regards to just really any postseason in general. Typically, you'll find that when a team winds up coming home, you'll find that more of the ancillary pieces, more of the guys that they typically don't wind up stepping up on the road. They're typically able to have bigger games at home, and I feel like we wind up seeing that with the Lightnings, really all of their lines were able to do a solid job in this one, and then you wound up having Steven Samkos as well. He came through. He had a goal and an assist in this one, so that was very impactful for this team, and you wound up having Palat be able to get a first-period goal for the Tampa Bay Lightnings at, for the Tampa Bay Lightning as well. Gabriel Landeskog, he was able to put one in for the Colorado Avalanche, so that was a relatively good sign for them as well. As that was his 10th of the postseason, and then he was able to net his 11th a little bit later, but when it comes down to it, I think that this is still very much a live series. I do think that at plus 250, there's a little bit of value on the Lightning. Obviously, they should be an underdog when it comes to the series, but you still got yourself a two-time Stanley Cup champion and a team that they've been in this spot before. Prior to their series against the New York Rangers, they had went, I believe it was 17 straight losses where they wound up bouncing back, winning the next game. In that series against the New York Rangers, they wind up dropping the first two, and then they wound up running off four straight games. Now, I don't think that they're going to be able to run off four straight games against the Colorado Avalanche. This is just a completely different team, a team that has been very solid whenever they've been able to hit the road, a team that just with regards to the amount of shots that they wind up getting on goal in general, it is a completely different animal. Take a look at the Lightning tonight, and Andre Vasilevsky, he didn't wind up having a quiet night, even though the team was able to get it done by a kind of 6-2. He still wound up having to make 37 saves, wound up having to face 39 shots in general. And I feel like Vasilevsky wound up having one blow-up game in that series against the Rangers as well, where he wound up having the six goals given up in Game 1. I feel like now he wound up getting that out of him in Game 2. And here in Game 3, he looked a little bit more like the Andre Vasilevsky that we know and love. And I do think that it's going to be interesting to see if he's going to be able to duplicate that moving forward. And now the Lightning's goal he's going to be, we don't know if it's going to be Kemper or not in goal for the Colorado Avalanche. I would think that you probably wind up going back to Kemper personally because he's sort of the guy that wound up doing it for you throughout much of the season. Aside from in that Edmonton series, he was a little bit banged up. And even want to take a look at that Edmonton Oilers series with Pavel Francoeur. He did wind up having a little bit of a rough go of it in their closeout game four where he did wind up letting up five goals and there was one or two sort of cheapies in there as well. So I do think that that's something to take a look at in terms of this series as well. But I do think that the Lightning, they have been a team that all postseason long, they've been very solid at home. We wound up seeing them just completely blitz the Florida Panthers. So they are capable of being able to shut down some of these high-octane offense like we're going to be seeing with the Colorado Avalanche. And I do think that this might be a thing that they just really need to be able to bounce back they were able to do so, and now it's going to be all about how do the Colorado Avalanche wind up responding because this is their first time really in a Stanley Cup with this core. 
They have been a team that year in and year out, they've always been one of the top two contenders for the Stanley Cup. They haven't been able to get there to the final until now. So I do think that taking a look at how they wind up responding, that is going to be something to gauge. And if you're taking a look at odds be able to win this comp, Con Smythe Trophy, by the way. This is over at DraftKings. I know that I've tried to take a look at a lot of books out here in Las Vegas, and there aren't too many that currently have one up on the board. So if you're out there on the East Coast, you've got a little bit of advantage being able to take a look at many of these offerings. You've got Andre Vasilevsky currently finding himself at plus 380. He is the number one option for the Lightning. You wound up seeing Nikita Kucherov. He wound up having two points in the Game 3 win. He's currently finding himself at plus 550, and Nathan McKinnon for the Colorado Avalanche, he's currently finding himself at plus 550, or plus 450, I should say, Kale Maker, finding himself at a minus 150. He is certainly by far the favorite to be able to win the award, but I would say that a minus 150, just not necessarily a lot of value there. So being able to gauge this moving forward is going to be interesting. We're going to be talking about it all throughout on the network here, and I'm going to be talking about it throughout the night as well, as this is opening up a relative pick for Game number four with the Tampa Bay Lightning finding themselves pretty much a minus 105 to a minus 110 across the board as we see it right now with a total of six with all three games in this series thus far. Having gone over the total, I think that we could see a little bit more of an under sort of game in game number four. You got to feel like this is going to be a little bit of a wake-up call for the Colorado Avalanche, whether they do wind up going back to Darcy Kemper or not. I think that this is a team that they want to gain the kick in the pants that they needed to be able to just go back to the same sort of style that they wound up having in the first two games and in the first two games as well. The Lightning just were not able to really control the puck at all in Colorado. They were able to do so much more tonight. I think that both teams wound up making, you wound up seeing the Tampa Bay Lightning make some adjustments. I think that you're going to see a case in which both teams are going to be making a few adjustments from this game, and I do think that it's going to lend itself to a little bit of a lower-scoring game. And then if you took a look at Major League Baseball on Monday as well, it's been very intriguing to take a look at what we've all been getting on the diamond as well. You did wind up seeing quite a few unders, and something that I've personally been noticing, and I'm going to be talking about this a little bit more on the Baseball Biting Show podcast I wind up doing over here at VEASAN. You're able to get that wherever you your podcast, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, list goes on and on. But what we've really been noticing, or at the very least, I have been, underdogs they're hitting right around 40 percent this season but the underdogs that have been hitting most of them have been more of the larger variety by larger i mean plus 170 or higher you wind up getting your two dollar underdogs you wind up getting your plus 250 i feel like if you've been betting those this season you've come out much more profitable than you have been able to with regards to more of the short underdogs the teams that they wind up closing right around a plus 110 plus 120 i would say Short underdog, in my opinion, is anything below a plus 125. I know that a lot of people might agree slash disagree. That's sort of my line of demarcation. Different strokes for different folks on that. But I've just been noticing that a lot of these shorter underdogs have not been coming through. And we wound up seeing a little bit more of that on Tuesday as well, or on Monday as well, as you wind up having the Tampa Bay Rays wind up falling to the New York Yankees, who, by the way, they have 50 wins and we're currently on June 20th. It is absolutely insane. What we've been seeing on them, 4-2, to two, as they were able to get it done there. It's going to be interesting to take a look at what the Tampa Bay Rays wind up doing for Tuesday because looking like it's probably going to be sort of a bullpen game. I personally think that we're probably going to see Josh Fleming come up to the big leagues. He'll probably be a little bit more of a bulk guy for the Tampa Bay Rays, but a little bit unknown in that aspect as well. You wind up seeing a team like the Chicago Cubs, who they were a very small plus price, 
They were unable to get the job done. If you're looking a little bit north of a plus 125, even the San Francisco Giants, they were able to cover the run line, but they weren't able to get there on the money line. They wind up falling to the Atlanta Braves by kind of 2-1, to one. and I think that this is just really sort of the season that we've been having out there in Major League Baseball. If you are looking at one short underdog that wanted coming through, that would be the Chicago White Sox, who have been all over the place, and the Toronto Blue Jays. They've got their concerns with regards to a lot of their pitching. The starters not named Kevin Gosman and Alec Manoa, coupled with the bullpen. That has been a worry spot for them, and it is something that we're going to be taking a little bit more of a look at moving forward as coming up on the flip side. I think it is that time that we take a little bit of a look as to some of the games that we're going to be getting on the Major League betting board for Tuesday. Still a couple TBD, TBD starters, but a lot of these are getting sorted out, so we'll be running through that next right here on the Lookout on VSIN, the Sports Betting Network. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. Western nations like the U.S. and Europe. Mexico will likely have its first female president. And then you have China. And help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters. He'll get his yo-yos to Europe in time. But the longer this drags on, the more worry he's getting. They knew that they needed to do this as fast as they possibly could to get a drug on the market as fast as they could. I'm David Gura. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleh Mosin. We cover the stories behind what's moving money and markets. Basically, everyone was expecting, if not a calamity, certainly a recession. But the problem is that that paperwork, as our reporting showed, is fake. As someone who's covering the market, I'm often very worried about an imminent collapse. I'm thinking about it quite often. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Saleya Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take DC. We dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. It's an election year, so there's a lot of focus on the voters that TikTok is reaching. The initial reaction is like, oh, things are looking so resilient. I don't want to be too pessimistic, but I just don't see the political will down in Washington right now to, to change their tune. I think the American electorate has been signaling that it expects a rematch of the 2020 election. These are unprecedented times. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take DC on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. This is The Look Ahead on VSIN, the sports betting network. Are you ready for a fresh start? And by that, I mean a real fresh start with lasting change. Take the Zin 10 Challenge and switch up the way that you've been enjoying nicotine. Available in a variety of tastes and strengths, Zin Nicotine Pouches deliver smoke-free and spit-free nicotine satisfaction. Try Zin Nicotine Pouches for 10 days or your money back. Your fresh start begins here. Take the Zin 10 Challenge today at ZYN.com slash 10. That is the number 10 on that. So ZYN.com and then a number one and then the number zero. Zin Nicotine Pouches are only for adults 21 years or older who currently use nicotine or tobacco. And warning, this is a product that contains nicotine and nicotine. It is an addictive 
it is an addictive chemical as we're back here on the lookout with myself greg peterson and coming up about 15 minutes or so we're going to be joined by randy mckay the VEASAN Fan of the Year and a man that does a great job taking a look at a wide variety of things. We're going to be turning things forward with regards to the Stanley Cup Final and taking a look at a little bit of what's going to be coming ahead in the coming months with him. So we're going to have a lot of fun with that. But first, got to take a look at some Major League Baseball here as we've got a loaded slate, 15 games on the board for Tuesday. And we've got a lot that is going down with regards to the National League and the American League. And we do have a couple TBD starters. You're probably going to be noticing that Darn near no books whatsoever. I have a line on this Yankees versus Tampa Bay Rays game. The Rays are currently to be determined with regards to their starter and for the Baltimore Orioles. All about whether or not Jordan Lyles is able to come back after he wound up having a little bit of a stomach bug that caused him to miss a start on Sunday. So they're trying to navigate that and I'm going to try to navigate this game between well, a team that has been flailing a little bit and a team that is towards the bottom in the big leagues. How about if we start 921-922 with the Royals and the LA Angels with Reed Detmers going for the Angels and John Heasley on the bump for the Kansas City Royals. This is a total that you're finding at a 9 a lot of places. Have a little bit of juice to the under end. When it comes to the Angels, find them between a minus 165 and a minus 175 favorite. And when it comes to the Royals, it's anywhere between plus 150 and plus 155 and Taking a look at this Royals team, it's been a little bit befuddling because they've actually gotten their offense going a little bit, but this is a bullpen that coming into the year, I thought it was going to be halfway decent. I didn't think that by any stretch of the imagination, it was going to be terrific, but what is being backed up by John Easley, it is not good as out of 30 Major League Baseball teams right now, Royals are in the bottom five in terms of bullpen ERA. It is north of a 4-5, and that's Scott Barlow giving a sub-2 ERA. Joel Pamps, whenever he's been out there, been able to do a solid job, but you take a look at a lot of these long relievers, which you might need a little bit of long relief for John Heasley with the way that he's been pitching thus far this season. It's not been good. Like Taylor Clark has been posting up a five ERA. Amir Garrett has been absolutely terrible. I have absolutely no idea whatsoever why people were ever high on Amir Garrett. I never saw it with them, and well, he's posting up north of a six ERA this season, so that signing has not necessarily gone well for them. It's been guys like Jose Cuas who have actually been relatively solid out there in the bullpen for this team, but taking a look at this Angels bunch, offense has not really been the issue for the team thus far this season. They did wind up getting held to two runs on Monday, but got Taylor Ward, Shoy Otani, Mike Trout, Jared Walsh, all guys that have been able to give you a double-digit amount of homers this season. Now, with Taylor Ward, ever since coming off of the injured list, he has been struggling a little bit. Was able to bust out for two hits on Monday. You've got to figure that that might be something that gets him going because ever since he's come back from injury, he's been hitting right around a 200, but with that said, you have been able to have Shoei Otani along Jared Walsh. Both hit between about a 250 to a 255. And you may recall Mike Trout about two or so weeks ago. He was in a little bit of a funk. Well, he's busted out of it. He's got over 20 home runs thus far this season. He's been able to do a solid job. And with the Kansas City Royals, there's been a lot of guys that have been able to do an okay job of being able to get on base. Salvador Perez is the only guy that has been able to give you much power recently. But that said, you take a look at Salvador Perez and all of a sudden, He's been able to get a little bit hot with the bat. He's been able to give you a pair of homers in the last four games. He's up to 11 overall. Ever since he's come off the injured list, he's been a little bit more solid for the team. Wade Merrifield just continues to be having himself a little bit of a tough year. He, Nicky Lopez, along with Bobby Wood Jr., hitting between about a 222-236. And this is not a Royals team that they necessarily draw a lot of walks. They're looking to be able to get on base and then wind up sealing a few bases, and they just have not been able to necessarily do that. And when it comes to this LA Angels bullpen, it's not good. 
You've got Ryan Tapera along with Rossio Iglesias and Aaron Loop. These were supposed to be your 7th, 8th, and ninth inning guys. All of them have it north of a 375 ERA. The Angels are one of those bullpens that you really can't trust in either. Out of the 30 MLB teams, they're in the bottom half of the big leagues in terms of that aspect as well. And it's really been suddenly unexpected guys that have actually been okay out there in the bullpen. Andrew Wants, Jose Quijada. These have been some of your best bullpen pieces, which I do find to be intriguing. And when it comes to Reed Detmers, he's got some very demonstrative home and road splits. He's got a sub-3 ERA at home. He's got north of a 6 ERA on the road. You may recall he was the gentleman that wanted throwing the no-hitter against the Tampa Bay Rays a little bit earlier this season, but he did that with just two strikeouts that season, or that game, and overall for the season, he's been getting right around five and a half, six strikeouts per nine innings, but then you take a look at the flip side for John Easley. He just has not been able to have command. He's giving up nearly five walks per nine innings. That is just not acceptable when you're backed up by a bullpen that is, shall we say, not terrific like the Kansas City Royals is. And on top of that, he is someone that he's going to give up quite a bit of contact in general. So there are quite a few issues when it comes to the Kansas City Royals team. There no doubt is some issues when it comes to the LA Angels. They were able to get a few wins against the Seattle Mariners over the weekend, but been a case of which you wound up having a team with a 14-game losing streak. They've been sort of 500 ever since they wound up going down that very, very bad skid, but certainly has not necessarily been too terrific for them, but I just don't have any faith here in John Easley whatsoever. Typically, when it comes to run lines, I wind up oftentimes laying a run in half to be able to reduce some juice. Like, right now, with regards to my money line sort of projection, I think that the minus 165 to minus 175, there is a small edge with regards to the LA Angels, but you take a look at the run line, you're finding it in a lot of places right around a plus 115, and I would much rather take a little bit of a plus price, especially if you think that the game is going to be higher scoring. With regards to the home team, you're really rolling the dice when you think that it's going to be an under and the home team winds up coming through because then the Kansas City Royals would need to be held down quite a bit, but I take a look at this pitching matchup of Reed Detmers along John Heasley, and I do think that we're not going to be in for necessarily... A great pitcher's duel, so I did wind up saying my total a little bit north of 9, so I do like it over, and being able to get a plus 115 on that run line, that does wind up appealing to me. And then when it comes to the American League as well, I was mentioning it in terms of a lot of these games being sort of off the board. This is one in which I'm only finding a line currently at Circa. I would think that a lot of places, they're going to be posting up this line in the AM, and typically when it comes to Major League Baseball, if you're out there on the East Coast, a game like the Cleveland Guardians versus the Minnesota Twins. We're able to throw in there the St. Louis Cardinals, Milwaukee Brewers, Arizona Diamondbacks, San Diego Padres. These games of which the starter is known overnight, but at the same time, it wound up coming about after the team's game very late on Monday because a lot of these teams, they wind up having a day off as well, much like the Milwaukee, or not the Milwaukee Brewers, but rather the Cleveland Guardians. It's a case of which they'll oftentimes announce that late, and a lot of books, they won't post it up until the a.m. Like I said, 8 a.m. Eastern time if you're out here on the Pacific time zone, right around 5-ish, obviously subject to a little bit of change based on your book, but typically that's what I wind up finding. But in terms of this Guardians versus Minnesota Twins game, you're at Circa where I said you're finding the Guardians as a plus-144 underdog with Aaron Savali going and Joe Ryan and the Minnesota Twins. This is 917-918 on the betting board. Twins minus 158 with a total of 9.5. And 9.5 and just feels steep to me in this spot because you do have Aaron Savali. He's been getting a little bit unlucky this year. Last year, he was very lucky. He wound up having a 12-5 and record. Posted up an ERA that was north of 4. He was giving up nearly 2 home runs per 9 innings, and yet 
He was able to come out with that very good record. He probably should have given up more runs than he did. And thus far this season, he has really been giving it up. He did wind up making a little bit of a rehab appearance, which I do think is actually going to be something that is going to be able to get him going. When you take a look at Savali, he wound up having a bad start to the year, which he wound up having right around an 8-ish ERA. His last rehab appearance, he wound up going 4-plus innings, struck out 7. The runs that he wound up giving up, they were all unearned runs. He was hurt by his fielding in general. That, I think, is a good sign for him because you take a look at him for the season. 784 actual ERA fielding independent, nearly three points lower to 497. So what that tells you is that he certainly is far from laying the world on fire, but he shouldn't be getting the bad luck that he has thus far this season. He's getting right around eight and a half strikeouts and two and a half walks for nine innings. He's given up the deep ball a little bit too much. Then you take a look at Joe Ryan. He's one of those guys that I always like to use this for college basketball. He's sort of the master of very, very many things and is a Swiss Army knife. He doesn't necessarily do one thing terrific. You take a look at his numbers, 8.5 strikeouts per 9 innings, 2.8 walks per 9 innings, right around one home run given up per 9 innings. Nothing that really jumps out, but nothing that is necessarily too terrible. And, and that's been good enough for the Minnesota Twins, who's currently backed up by a guy in Byron Buxton, who's getting a home run every 10 at-bats. You've got Carlos Correa back in the fold. He's been able to hit a 300. So you've got a lot of pieces for the Minnesota Twins. They've been rock solid. He's been able to fill six innings. And with the Minnesota Twins, relatively average bullpen ERA. I want to make in this personally the Twins being more around a minus 165-ish favorite, so I see a little bit of value there. Going to be interesting to see where the run line winds up coming out, and I do think that Joe Ryan going to be able to give a good start against the Cleveland Guardians team that I'll be sure to hit on a little bit later on during the show, but right now I'm looking at an under, and I'm taking a look at the Minnesota Twins in some former capacity, and what we're taking a look at next is a great chat with Randy McKay. Randy does an absolutely terrific job, and he was the VEASAN Fan of the Year, I believe, for the year 2018, so he's going to be joining me next right here on The Lookout on VEASAN, the Sports Bank Network. This is The Look Ahead on VSIN, the Sports Betting Network. The VSIN Summer Special is here. For just $19, you get everything that VSIN has to offer from now until the end of July. Sign up today and you'll get VSIN's daily best bets, including Adam Burke's daily best bets with regards to Major League Baseball. We've got you covered with regards to the NFL preseason, premium articles on golf, UFC, NASCAR, and so much more. And if you want the full VEASAN experience, which includes daily best bet emails, every single edition of Point Spread Weekly, our betting tools, and live video streaming, cost is just $19 to be a subscriber from now through July 1st, and you're able to sign up at VEASAN.com slash summer. As it is a look at with myself, Greg Peterson, and great to be joined by our guest as Randy McKay is a man that absolutely loves the NHL. I'm sure that he is absolutely loving the series that we're getting right now, and is a former winner of VEASAN Fan of the Year as well. And Randy, it is great to have you aboard tonight. Thank you so much for joining me. Awesome. Thanks for having me on, Greg. And uh, yeah, it was a good game tonight and uh, everything went pretty well. And uh, hopefully we get a good uh, six, seven game series out of this. I agree with you. And I do think that we're going to be able to get that six to seven game series because I just have noticed it without with the playoffs in general. It just feels like this playoff, the home ice advantage has meant a little bit more. You're even able to go back to sort of the series that the Carolina Hurricanes wound up having. I believe that in the 14 games that they wound up playing in their two series, the home team wound up winning 13 of them. Have you been noticing this as well? Because it just feels like we've had more home teams being able to come through this postseason than I can really remember. 
Yeah, and that's usually not the case in uh, NHL. Uh, usually uh, the road team uh, usually has a little bit more success in the uh, playoffs, but for some reason this year, home ice has been uh, holding up. I don't know uh, what the reason it really truly is for it, uh, but uh, you know, hockey's uh, one of the most random sports, and so far the home ice has just been holding up, and uh, you just kind of go, kind of got to go with it, I guess. Yeah, it certainly has been interesting to take a look at that. And then when it comes more specifically to this series, I don't know what you've noticed in the first three games of this series, but I take a look at things and it just feels like the Lightning, they've got a little bit more size, they've got a little bit more physicality, but the Colorado Avalanche, they've got a little bit more speed and thus they've been able to get a couple more shots on goal. I'm not sure what you've really made out of this, but I do feel like because of the two just sort of clashing styles of these two, it does lead to a little bit of volatility like, we wound up seeing in game two, it was a complete utter blowout. The Avalanche wind up shutting out the Lightning. And then here tonight, we wound up seeing the Lightning be able to get their revenge by a count of 6-2. Yeah, and Tampa Bay caught the nice break there with uh, right away when the guy was offside there on the what would have been the first goal by Nikushkin there, the uh, product of uh, Putin's uh, CHL uh, Russian league there. There's been a few of them come over there, and it was it's been him and uh, been the guy for uh, Minnesota that's really good. And uh, there's a few of them that come over from Russia. Uh, we'll see if uh, any more of them come. But uh, of course, Tampa Bay got that break there right away, and that kind of propelled them to a pretty good first period. And that was a that was a good start for them, and uh, they kind of got got their game settled. Um, we did get a nice break on the line tonight, and I had Tampa Bay. Uh, if it would have been one-one, probably coming in there, and if it wouldn't have been a blowout second game, the line would have probably been one twenty-five or thirty, and that's what it got bet up to by uh, most respected betters. Um, a lot of the, you know, NHL really really doesn't get a lot of public betting, so uh, that didn't drive it back down. So it was pretty much all uh, I would think I would say more sharp action on the on the line move there. And it worked out pretty good. I mean, they played a good first period, and uh, they propelled themselves in the good second period. As far as game three goes, we just kind of got to kind of look at it. You know, Kucherov went down late, and uh, Nick Paul got hurt, so they might be down a couple of uh, forwards there. So you got to keep an eye on it if you want to take them in game four. Yeah, but I think that with game four as well, there's a big question mark as to what's going to be happening with regards to goaltending situation with the Avalanche as well. Darcy Camp. Kemper winds up giving up five goals. He winds up getting yanked from the game. Now, if I were to guess, I would think that the Avalanche go back to Kemper, but I think that it's a little bit of an interesting debate because he just hasn't necessarily been himself this postseason, having a save percentage below 90%. Yeah, plus he got that stick in the eye, and I, I don't know if he's really been real right after that. I mean, that's been a big situation for them. And I've, you know, being out in Colorado, I'm not out in Colorado now, but being out in Colorado most of the uh, fall and winter, I've watched a lot of Avs games, and there's not a big drop-off to Frank Koo over him. So uh, uh, if Bednar feels comfortable with starting Frank Koo, and he's a left-handed goalie, which uh, switches things up a little bit for the uh, Tampa Bay shooters, which uh, is kind of awkward because there isn't many left-handed goalies in the league. He's probably one of about a half-dozen. And uh, so Bednar might go to Frank Koo in uh, game four. We'll just have to wait and see what happens and uh, watch pregame. 
Yep, I do think that that's going to be something to really take note of. And something else to take note of as well is I'm taking a look at the Conn Smythe Trophy Awards over at DraftKings with regards to the odds to be able to win it. And, I mean, you see, like, your notable names, Nikhil Kucherov, he's finding himself at plus 550. Andre Vasilevsky is finding himself at plus 380. I don't know about you, but I take a look at Steven Samkos at 25-1. to 1. And especially if the Tampa Bay Lightning wind up winning the series, because if they wind up losing it, I don't think that there's a case for him to be able to win this award. But I think at 25 to 1, might be a little bit of a sneaky look there. I don't know if you agree, but was impressed by him tonight being able to put in there a goal and an assist in game three. Yeah, and Stamkos, he's the captain of the team, and uh, he's, he's led the team all year. And uh, of course, uh, Kucherov usually sets up his goals, which he did on the one. Um, I have pretty good position on uh, Kale McCarr. I got him uh, 14 to 1, 14 and 12 to 1, and I got a significant amount of money on that. So, <laughs> of course, if uh, Colorado does prevail, and I actually got, I got to get Tampa Bay. I'm really good on these futures on this series. I had Tampa Bay on a couple boost bets, which you, you get with you bet in Colorado, and uh, I got 14 to 1 on the Tampa Bay. So, I got a pretty good position. And I also took some more on Tampa Bay series when they went down uh, the first game. So I got them at plus uh, 240. So uh, I definitely, you can look at the, of course, I'm not in a jurisdiction right now where I can bet the uh, Con Smythe, but uh, you definitely can look at maybe at that or uh, maybe Vasilevsky for sure if the Tampa Bay side would come in. And you go into something that's interesting as well. You just laid it out the fact that. If the Tampa Bay Lightning wind up winning, you're going to be able to get a very nice haul with regards to that futures price. And you've also got plus money on the Colorado Avalanche as well. When you're sort of in a position like this, is it just one of these cases in which you wind up betting game to game? Or are you sort of taking a look at the way that the series winds up going? Like when the Lightning wind up going down 2-0, to zero, you're able to find them at most places north of $3. And you want to maybe putting a little bit more there? Or how have you been playing things out with regards to your position in the futures market? Yeah, I have been kind of slow playing. Uh, I did like Tampa Bay in game one, and of course that didn't work out. They went to overtime, and I didn't come back with anything in game two except for a series bet. So I left that one alone, and I did that when they played the Rangers as well. I, I liked the Rangers in game one, but I liked Tampa Bay for the series. So, if, I mean, a lot of times you can slow play that and get a better line in, in these uh, seven-game series, especially in hockey. You can kind of do that probably in, in uh, NBA betting as well, and uh, it's a it's a good tool to use to your advantage. And uh, if you're looking at the different lines, and make sure you get the best number. And with, uh, with there's a lot of outs there nowadays, so uh, make sure you got a lot of counts. Yep, absolutely. I'm right there with you. As many apps as you can wind up having access to, as many books as you're able to get signed up for with those apps, I always do encourage that. And when it comes to what we're taking a look at for game four, right now I'm seeing a total of six, and a lot of places it's darn near a pick Some places have the Avalanche as a very, very slight favorite, but whichever side you like, you're going to be able to lay minus 120 or less. In some cases, you might be able to get even money on the Lightning. What do you expect for game four? Because now we've seen it last two games. It was a blow for the Avalanche in game two, blow for the Lightning in game three after game one, wound up going to overtime. What's sort of your feel for game four as of now? Well, I'm gonna I'm gonna kind of wait on this one because you got to see what kind of what uh, what what they put out for the lineups. Uh, Colorado might have Cod- 
a cadre back for the uh, for the game four, and uh, we have to see what happens with Kucherov and uh, Nick Paul there because they were looking like they're pretty banged up. And uh, you never know, Braden Point might come back this game too. He missed last game, and that would that would definitely help. Um, there was a big move on the total, and that uh, I think there was some uh, hint out there that the ice might not be so good in, in uh, Tampa Bay tonight, and that's why it moved. I saw some five and a halfs actually. Line moved down from six to five and a half, which I thought was kind of weird, and almost got me to bet an over, which uh, I normally don't do. But as far as I'm going to look at this game coming up, uh, you just kind of got to wait and see uh, who's going to be a net, like you said earlier, and then who's going to be in the lineup. So uh, I probably won't make any significant wagers till about an hour before the game starts. I can't blame you there. There's a lot of question mark with regards to game four, but it's going to be a great series. Randy, always great to have you aboard. Thank you. All right. Thanks for everything, Greg, and good luck to everybody out there. Always great to get Randy McKay on the show. And coming up next, we're going to take a look at some NBA draft props right here on VEASAN, the Sports Betting Network. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. Western nations like the U.S. and Europe. Mexico will likely have its first female president. And then you have China. And help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters. He'll get his yo-yos to Europe in time. But the longer this drags on, the more worry he's getting. They knew that they needed to do this as fast as they possibly could to get a drug on the market as fast as they could. I'm David Gura. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleya Mosin. We cover the stories behind what's moving money and markets. Basically, everyone was expecting, if not a calamity, certainly a recession. But the problem is that that paperwork, as our reporting showed, is fake. As someone who's covering the market, I'm often very worried about an imminent collapse. I'm thinking about it quite often. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Saleya Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take DC. We dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. It's an election year, so there's a lot of focus on the voters that TikTok is reaching. The initial reaction is like, oh, things are looking so resilient. I don't want to be too pessimistic, but I just don't see the political will down in Washington right now to to change their tune. I think the American electorate has been signaling that it expects a rematch of the 2020 election. These are unprecedented times. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take DC on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. This is The Look Ahead on VSIN, the sports betting network. Baseball predictions made brighter. Join the Born in a Ballpark Challenge presented by Blue Moon to compete for free for cash all season long. Enter into weekly prediction pools to fight for your share of $62,500 in total cash prizes. Head on over to DraftKings.com slash Blue Moon now to be able to join in on the action. 
Blue Moon, made brighter. 21 years or older terms and conditions and other eligibility restrictions do apply. See DraftKings.com for details. And as always, please do drink responsibly as it is a look at with myself, Greg Peterson, and a big thanks to Randy McKay. He does a great job as a professional handicapper, did a nice job taking a look at things with regards to the Stanley Cup with me in the last segment and a former VEASAN Fan of the Year award winner. So always great to be able to get him aboard and good to get this aboard as well because I know that there have been many of you guys that have been looking for NBA draft props and we're going to be talking a little bit more about this in our number three as Zach Reichel is going to be joining me. So, or Scott Reichel is going to be joining me in our number three to be able to break these down. But at DraftKings, right now you've got a pretty good board of NBA draft props. I know that there are some places that the only draft pop right now they have is who's good to be going number one overall. But right now at DraftKings, you've got odds on a guy being able to go into the top 10 player draft position rank, like with A.J. Griffin, the over-under is 10.5. You've got team's first pick as well. So, I mean, there's actually quite an offering right now, so I'm actually highly impressed. But when it comes to the NBA draft, for one, there I, I mean, we're, we're going to have a lot of things here because this is very different, in my opinion, than being able to take a look at the NFL draft. But some of the fundamental things are still the same because when it comes to both the NBA draft and the NFL draft, you do not need to be the Mona Lisa Vito of what wound up happening in college football slash college basketball to be able to take a look at this. If you didn't wind up watching every single one of Terry Eason's games at LSU, you're going to be fine. Don't worry. It is not one of these cases in which it's like, oh, no, I don't know whether he does a great job off of shuffle cuts or anything like that. Trust me, you really don't need to know too much about that. What you do need to be doing, much like in the NFL draft, is that there's going to be a lot of things that wind up coming to light via social media like you see it every year in the nfl there's certain tweets that the wind up having sent out being like oh person x is getting seen by person y things like that there's going to be a workout for team x for insert player here you want to be taking a look at those and the guys that you want to be following with regards to now until the nba draft if you're looking to bet on this adrian wojnarowski shams Guys like this, they are on the inside. They are doing a great job. Like, I still remember during the, I think it was 2019 draft, there was a lot of buzz from Woj and also Shams that you're going to see DeAndre Hunter get drafted by the Atlanta Hawks. His over-under was pretty much a half a pick below where the Atlanta Hawks were selecting if you want to take that. And I was one of those people I wanted to take a shot there. You were able to get yourself a nice cash on DeAndre Hunter going to the Atlanta Hawks. That was all via taking a look at social media, seeing what guys were working out with which teams, seeing just what the hubbub was, for lack of a better term, in regards to that. So I think that that is absolutely critical if you are taking a look at the NBA draft. More so than anything else, you don't need to know Jack Diddley's squad about what Jabari Smith wound up doing in college. You got to know if... The Orlando Magic are interested in them. And you really don't even need to take a look too much at positions either now. I mean, I don't think that the New Orleans Pelicans are going to be drafting another big man because they've got Zion Williamson there. They're expecting him to come back. And, well, that's a situation into and of itself. But you take a look at the teams that are drafting towards the top of this year's draft. And, I mean, you've got, like, the Orlando Magic at number one. You know what the Orlando Magic need? Everything. The Oklahoma City Thunder at number two. Guess what their needs are? Everything. 
So you're able to go down the list of these like top 10 teams and it's like, well, I don't know what they don't need because they need a lot in order to be able to just be able to get into position, which means that they're going to be drafting the best overall player. Unlike in the NFL draft where you could wind up seeing a team wind up trading way up in a year, which we wind up having a lot of quarterbacks this year. There just wasn't a lot of quarterbacks to be had, but I mean, time and time again, we see a team like the New York Giants draft Daniel Jones like way, way earlier than he ever should. I mean, look no further than the Minnesota Vikings many years ago drafting Christian Ponder, who should have never gone that high, and I think that they realized that after the fact, but you're not going to be seeing that much in the NBA draft. A lot of it is going to be based on sort of what we wind up seeing these guys do in college. You do want to take a little bit of a look at the NBA draft combine results, but a lot of those guys at the NBA Combine, a lot of the top picks, they did not wind up partaking in a lot of scrimmages either. So I think that that's a little bit of a sign. And then there are guys that they mysteriously wound up skipping out on the NBA draft. And these are really where your specialties wind up coming about. Because if you take a look at a guy that was not a top 10 overall pick and he wound up getting an, an invite to the NBA draft, draft Combine and he decided not to go Typically, what this means is that a team has given him a promise. Now, some of these promises do wind up getting broken, but that is something that I think is very interesting. And the guy that really comes about for this, that would be the Michigan guard in Caleb Houston. He was someone that he wound up getting a NBA draft combine invite. He did not wind up going to it. He's someone that a lot of mock drafts prior to this happening wound up having in the very late first to early second round. And where the guarantee money comes in is in, you guessed it, the first round. Sort of taking a look at things like this, that is going to be very interesting. And, I mean, this is very fresh. I want to take a look to see what the odds are of Caleb Houston wind up going into the first round because I think that that's something interesting. It's at plus 380. That's something that I absolutely love because it is a very mysterious that you wound up having Caleb Easton, a guy that was projected by many people to be an early second-round pick, get a, get a uh, invite to the NBA Draft Combine, he doesn't wind up going. We have seen this time and time again with these guys that they wind up getting picked in the very late part of the first round. So that's something to take a look at. And some of these guys that they sort of bet on themselves, like a Max Christie, for instance, he's at a plus 350 to wind up going in the first round. A lot of mock drafts, they have him going in the early second round, so this is obviously don't fire the loot sort of situation or anything like that, but Max Christie being able to go in the first round, plus 380. I don't think that there's terrible value there. Now, when it comes to the like odds to be able to go number one overall, right now you're finding Jabari Smith. He's finding himself at a minus 155, and we're going to be talking about this a little bit more with Scott Reichel in the third hour of the show, but I mean, that seems about right right now, but... I would not want to fire either on Jabari Smith or really anyone else until I wind up seeing more reports come out from Adrian Wojnarowski and company. And if you do wind up seeing a report come out about the NBA draft, get on your apps immediately because it's going to move and it's going to move drastically. And we even wind up seeing this, for lack of a better term, with regards to the odds to be able to win the MVP this season in the NBA because the ES because ESPN, just every single year, they wind up doing their straw poll of... NBA MVP voters and who they would vote for at the time. There was one that I think it wound up happening in like late March, early April, where they took a straw poll of all these voters. I mean, it was at the time where you wound up having pretty much even up odds when it came to Nikolai Jokic along Joel Embiid. 
it was just an overwhelming consensus that they were they were going to be voting for Nikolai Jokic. That's what they wound up giving in that poll. And guess where the odds wound up going? They wound up getting steamed high noon. And obviously, Nikolai Jokic, he winds up being able to get the award. Taking a look at things like this is just absolutely massive when it comes to the NBA draft. Because, I mean, there are certain guys that I like that I feel like are not necessarily getting enough love. Like EJ Liddell, for instance, is someone that I think has a chance to be able to make an NBA roster, and he's got a chance to really be able to do some damage when it's all said and done at the NBA level. I do think that Keegan Murray, who right now is the favorite to go number five overall. I absolutely love him in this draft. I think that he's going to be able to do a terrific job. What I think matters zero, though. You have to recognize this. What matters is what these teams think, and all it takes is for one team to love you for you to be able to go from being like what is supposed to be a mid to late second round pick to go into the first round. I mean, look no further than we're going to use another NFL reference here. Tim Tebow winds up going in the first round to the Denver Broncos. Like nobody else in that draft was going to draft Tim Tebow in the first round, but there was one team in the Denver Broncos that absolutely loved Tim Tebow, and boom, he winds up going in the first round. So, I mean, the biggest thing with the NBA draft is not going out watching like 15 hours of tape or anything like that on these guys, although, I mean, it never winds up hurting, and these guys are absolutely spectacular that are in the NBA draft. But with that said, you want to be monitoring social media like a hawk. You want to be taking a look at what Woj, Shams, all those guys are tweeting out because... That's how you wind up making money on this. You wind up just taking a look at all that winds coming to the surface. And if you're able to time it just right, you wind up seeing a tweet that's like, oh, insert team here. They think that Jaden Sharp should be the pick. And, well, you're going to see that line move very, very quickly. So that's the way that you want to be playing things for the NBA draft, in my opinion. And we're going to be, t- be talking a little bit more about it in our number three with Scott Reichel. But coming up next... We've hit seven out of our last DK Nation picks on the MLB circuit, so we're going to be taking a look at what I've got written up for Tuesday next right here on the Look At on VEASAN, the Sports Bank Network. MTV's official Challenge podcast is back for another season. And so are we. I'm Tori Deal. And I'm Anissa Ferreira. The wait is over, guys. All Stars 4 is finally here and this season takes it to a whole new level old school legends modern power players and ex-lovers are all competing in cape town south africa for the prize of three hundred thousand dollars and we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast listen to mtv's official challenge podcast on the iHeartRadio app apple podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. We cover the stories behind what's moving money in markets and help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters every afternoon. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleh Mosin. And I'm David Gura. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.